Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon. How is everybody doing today? Hope you've had a blessed week. And if it didn't all go according to your plans, perhaps it went according to God's plan. That all things work together for good for those of us who love Jesus. And we love him, right? Yes, so we know that even the tough times are part of his plan to bring us to our knees to pray more, to get connected to him. Amen. Today, I wanted to ask you a few questions. Have you ever experienced culture shock? Yes, if you left your country and went to, whether it was another state or another country, and for most of us who live here, thank you, I think I'll take this one. For most of us who um, live here, um, moved here to the United States, you know, we remember some of the culture shocks that um, we experience. We're just gonna talk about a few fun ones. Main sport. Main sport in America is football. Some of us didn't know what that was so much. What we know, knew was soccer. Or base, baseball. Or cricket. And some people are saying, what's that? <laughs> And um, in America, we talk about political correctness and freedom of speech. And we go back and forth with those two things, depending on where we want to be. You know, political correctness is being sensitive to others and saying the right thing and being sensitive of every group. But then there's freedom of speech. And depending on whether we want to just say whatever we want to say, or we want someone to be sensitive to us, we go a little bit back and forth. But in other countries, it's very rigid. It's either freedom of speech or political correctness. You, there's no going back and forth. There is just rigid whatever it is, it is. And so in some countries you hear, good morning, good afternoon, how are you? This is the way people greet each other for the most part. But in America, we also do that. But there is this thing called small, small talk that we were not used to. All of a sudden, these strangers just meet each other, and they start talking about the weather, and sports, and politics, controversial topics, and they're just carrying on as if they knew each other forever, and they just met. You know, it was, it was just that strange thing, but you get used to um, that, and it's a wonderful thing, just to break the ice and feel comfortable around another person. And then there's this independence. 
you know, children having sleepovers. I'm like, what is that? That's a no-no in some countries. I'm not <laughs> letting my child sleep over anywhere, you know? And so, and then there's another thing. When you're 18, if you're not in college, then you need to get an apartment. What? <laughs> in other parts of the world, you go to college, then you come back home. Then, if you leave home, when you get married. <laughs> there is not this, you know, you have to leave because you're a certain age. So, there's a lot of um, culture shock that we can have when we travel. We learn a lot from different cultures, and we realize that there are some things that are different about us, but there are also some things that are the same, some basic things. And when they are not the same, this is where Jesus comes in and creates, you know, just break that barrier between culture to get to us as Christians so that we can all serve him as he ought to. And so there's one that I want to specifically talk about is the Jews and the Samaritans and the culture that they live in. Now, the Jews and the Samaritans are both Jacob's children. They're all Jacob's 12 children. But at some point in history, they divided into two kingdoms. And we know that Samaria, that Joseph tribe is one of those that was, went to Samaria. And they lived on the northern kingdom, on the hilltops of Samaria, and became known as the Samaritans. But something happened there. The people of Samaria sinned against God by worshiping idols. And some even made idols of the things God created, or they would worship what God created. This was an insult to God. It grieved the Spirit of God to see his own people worshiping idols. But they had this influence that came to them during a time when they colonized. Other people came and lived amongst them. And the Lord warned them in Deuteronomy 7, verse 2 to 5, that when people came and dwell among them, that they were not to marry them because the influence would get to them and then they would start worshiping idols. So in Deuteronomy 7, 2 to 5, it says, when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, do not intermarry with them, for they will turn your children's heart from following you, from following me, and serving other gods. And the Lord's anger will kindle against you. He warned them. Yet the Samaritans did exactly 
what the Lord told them not to do. And so let's go to the other side, the Jews. The southern kingdom of Judea. They settled in Jerusalem. They became known as Jews. They followed the commandments of the Lord and did not intermarry nor worship idols. And so they pride themselves as being pure-blooded Jews and scoffed at the Samaritans because they were no longer pure-blooded Jews because they intermarried. The Samaritans believed that the hills of Samaria was the holy place where God met with his children to worship. The Jews believed that it's the temple in Jerusalem that where God met with his people to worship. They were so divided, although they were related. There was also a culture in those times that if you gave water to a, someone who is journeying and is thirsty, that, that would be like giving them a gift from God. It was very special. So some people will go out of their way to offer water to someone who they see is thirsty, except for the Jews and the Samaritans. They hated each other so much that they want no favors from each other. In John 4, verse 9, we read that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They were bitter enemies. Only in the necessity, when they can't do any better, would they even buy food from each other. They would rather die of thirst than to take a cup of water from each other. And can you imagine Jesus now coming to that culture, to that tradition, and asking a Samaritan woman for water? Now, this is the reverse, because the Jews already think that they're so much better than the Samaritans. So if anyone should ask a favor it would have been for the Samaritan to ask a favor of the superior Jew. But for the Jew to ask a favor of a Samaritan was something extraordinary in those days. See, Jesus had left Judea, and he was going to Galilee. And so he traveled through Samaria. And as we know the story very well, he was thirsty, and he stopped by Jacob's well. And he asked this woman for a drink of water. And we know the story starts there. But there are so many lessons to be learned from this encounter. And we'll just touch on a few of them today. The most important decision we'll make in our lives is knowing Jesus personally. Being converted, being born of the Holy Spirit, 
You see, it's not where you worship. It is who you worship and the earnestness of your worship that Jesus is looking for. Jesus made that clear to Nicodemus. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And he reiterated that again with the Samaritan woman in John 4, verse 13 and 14. He says, everyone who drinks this water shall thirst again. But whoever drink of this water that I shall give will never thirst. But it will come, become a spring of water, springing up, springing up into everlasting life. Except we recognize that we are sinners, and Jesus is the only Savior from sin. Except we repent and receive the Holy Spirit of God to give us strength to overcome sin, we cannot live the Christian lives, and we will not be victorious Christian. In other words, religion has to be internal first. Jesus in the heart, like David in Psalms 51, he said, Create in me, Lord, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. External religion is of no effect if we have no internal religion. You know, last Sabbath we had a beautiful communion service. The only thing that was missing was our traditional feet washing. But the rest of it, we were asked to enter into the courts with Jesus and to just give him our hearts again. It was a very beautiful service that we had. I really enjoyed that. And I know that this is what Jesus wants us to do because he asks us to do that until he comes. But as beautiful as that service was, if we don't know Jesus, we don't have an experience with him, it's of no effect on us. You see, it doesn't matter, really, between the Jews and the Samaritan, between Nicodemus and the woman at the well, which side of the track you find yourself on. You know, some of us here may be like Nicodemus, wealthy, well-connected, educated, knowing the Bible enough. But he knew all of that, yet he did not understand when Jesus said, you must be born again. He had to break it down to him, for him to understand. And you may be like the Samaritan woman live in an environment of racial tension, animosity, and her own social issues and her own social disconnect. It doesn't matter which side you're on. We all need Jesus to be the center of our lives. 
Jesus came to bridge the gap. He wants us to reach across cultural religion, race, gender, and get to the real important issues of life, the issues of worship, the issues of conversion, the issues of being valued as a person. See, women and children were not valued in the time of Jesus. We see in Matthew 19 and verse 14, when the children tried to connect with Jesus, his disciples tried to get rid of them. But Jesus told them, let them come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He did not want anyone to hinder them, because in coming to Jesus, they found their true value. They found a relationship with him at a very young age that would blossom and grow through eternity. This is why, as a church, we put so much emphasis into children's ministry. We have children's Sabbath school, we have um, VBS, we have um, a Christian school right here. We have a story for the children during the divine hour. What we're doing is building a bridge to Jesus so that our children from a young age can know and love Jesus. We're breaking down culture walls so that there is no divide and that from a very early age they can feel valued and they, they, they can learn of the values of God. But more importantly, they can catch the value from us. Allow them to catch the value from us. It's more important than what we say. It's how we treat them. So values need to be caught. So with the Samaritan woman, Jesus broke the barrier of tension, the barrier of prejudice, the barrier of animosity, the gender barrier, taking her from her temporary needs and showing her that her greatest need is Jesus. He said to her, if you knew who it is that's asking you, you would ask of me and I would give you living water. You see, when Jesus stopped by the wells of our lives, he gives us value and offers us eternal life, according to John 3:17. He came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I wish I were there and be close enough to listen to the conversation firsthand between Jesus and the woman at the well. I sometimes wonder what text he may have quoted about value as he talked with her. There are a few scriptures that I think he may have mentioned to her. The first one is Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. He must have told her, you were made in the image of God, patterned after the creator. How many proud parents are just beside themselves when someone say to them, your son or your daughter looks just like you. 
we blush and we feel so good about that. And can you imagine that we are created in the image of our creator? That is value. You know, he decided how many eyes we would have and where those eyes would be placed, where they would best suit us. He decided our brain function. I think about the structure of our feet and how, how we can stand and be balanced on two small feet and have this so much taller body. It doesn't make sense sometimes according to the world's science, but that's how God is, right? And that not only that we can stand, but we can walk, we can run, and so many other things. Just the wonder of God and his creation. He must have told her something about the value of human beings. And I believe he quoted to her Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. For I know the thoughts I have toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you hope in the last days. Oh, she caught a glimpse of that hope. And she didn't let go of it. He may have even quoted to her Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. You know, many are starving for this experience of love. Some people have not been told, I love you for so long as they can remember, believe it or not. And I wondered about her. It must have been a while since someone told the woman at the well that she was loved. So today, I want to encourage us. When we feel unloved, go to the word of God. And he will reassure us of how much he loves us, he values us, his plans for us. And it will renew our spirit. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 Anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. She needed to hear that. We need to hear that today. We need to reassure ourselves and reassure ourselves again that God, when he forgives us, the old is gone, and we can start over again with him. And I praise God for that. You see, the Samaritan woman had something to offer Jesus. He was thirsty. He had walked for a long time. Maybe he was even near dehydration. And he needed water. But Jesus had even more to offer her. She was thirsty, more thirsty than she thought she was. She needed the water of life, and he provided her with that. She immediately recognized what Jesus offered her. Now, I want you to remember that as you go about um, 
whether it's you're going to give out invitations or go about life, remember that we may know a lot, but there are people out there who have something to offer. And we need to be willing to accept what they have to offer. Sometimes it is the key to open the door to a conversation to lead them to Jesus. Just that kind gesture of opening that door is what awakened in her the desire to have a conversation with Jesus. You know, I think if um, Jesus had said to her, you know, I have something for you. I, I need to give you a favor. She would have rejected that. But when he asked her a favor, it really opened the line of, of conversation. It made her feel valued. And so this is one way we can value someone, is to accept what they have to offer, what they have to bring to the table to open up the line of communication. We don't know it all. We don't have it all. God has many sheep which are not of this fold. And he has a message. He has given them his word. And sometimes they're just waiting for us to talk to them, to put the pieces, the last pieces together to really understand the full plan of salvation. But they have been studying. They love God. They have been praying. And we need to have a, an open heart when it comes to other people. You see, social distances, distancing is nothing new. We can see here, she was social distancing. She came to the well in the middle of the day to draw water. She was a social outcast. The other women did not want to identify themselves with her. So to avoid the look, you know that look that you get when you're not needed in that company? Or to avoid them talking around her or over her as if she wasn't there. It hurt so much that she decided that she'd go in the middle of the day when the sun was hot and no one else was there. She found solace in isolation. But in that, Jesus found an opportunity to offer eternal life. I believe that she was a praying woman. I know she studied the word of God according to the conversation that she had with Jesus and how she understood what he was saying and where he was coming from. She was just waiting for someone to help her to truly understand the plan of salvation. Don't be judgmental. You see somebody out there on the road, don't judge them because of their status or how they look or what they're doing, even what they're currently doing, even the lifestyle they're currently living. You don't know how they're wrestling with God to get out of that situation. And they're just waiting for someone to 
come along and value them and let them know that you can do this by God's grace. Point them to the word of God and have victory in Jesus. This is the missing piece sometimes that we have as a church sometimes. We compartmentalize individuals. And we just need to open our hearts to everyone and see them as the good Samaritan, as a Nicodemus, as someone who God loved and died for, and treat them with love and compassion and bring them to Jesus. They may just be waiting on you to do that. So let us do that. You know, sometimes... There are people out there who are so down because of the circumstances that they are going through. They've tried everything, but they still come up empty. There is this void in them, and they keep doing the same thing because they're looking for fulfillment. They're looking for something. They're not sure what it is, so they try different things to see if they can find that thing that would satisfy the soul. And every time they try, they come up short. There is still that void. But when you feel today that you have nothing left but God, I want to remind you today, God is all you need. That's all you need. And so, we have come to the well with our water pot, asking to be filled with essentials. Many of us here, if we were to take a prayer request, there are many necessary things of life that we would ask for today. But today, Jesus wants us to look beyond the essential things of this life that are temporary to the things that are of eternity. He's most important, interesting in our spiritual life. He said he will take care of all the other things if we would just put him first. Her assumption, the woman at the well, her assumption was that Jesus would not connect with her. Jesus would not talk to her. But Jesus broke that culture barrier and reached out to her. She assumed that Jesus just wanted literal water. And she didn't understand at first that he was pointing her to the living waters of life. She assumed that he was a prophet. Only to find out he was the Messiah and when she found out he, she, he was the Messiah, she accepted him as her savior. She assumed where you worship is important. Jesus showed her who you worship, and the sincerity of the worship is important to God, according to John 4, 23 and 24. They who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That is what God wants for us this morning. 
He wants our hearts. He wants our lives. He wants us to break through those culture barrier, value men and women as he valued them, so that that would give them that opportunity to come to him, to know him as Lord and Savior. I want to encourage us this morning to look at those thoughts, those few ideas of the woman at the well and what Jesus did for her, how he, he just reached her so that she can now reach others. Oh, when she realized how valuable she was, when she realized that, you know, Jesus died for her sins and loved her so much and want to save her, or she could not keep it to herself. She left her water pot. That water pot that represents all the things, the essential things we need in life that we think are the most important. She left it at the well. She didn't even try to secure it. It wasn't even important anymore. And she went back. She went back to those people who despised her, who rejected her, who scorned her, who looked at her in the worst manner. And now she had forgiven them. And she had hope. She had value. She had a message to give to them. And that message, come meet Jesus. Come meet a man who has changed my life. And I know he can do the same for you. What an excited time for her. When you know Jesus, you just can't keep quiet. You have to tell someone else the story. It is too good to be quiet. She was thirsty. Jesus was thirsty for physical water. But all of a sudden, none of them needed the water that they thought that was so important. They were taken to higher heights, to another spiritual level of, of, of their experience. And now they were coming out in groves to meet Jesus. Samaritans, Samaritans coming to meet Jesus, to hear the gospel and to accept him as Lord and Savior. And so today, I want to encourage us that this story is an illustration of God's love for all of us. It reminds us that deep down in our hearts is a need for Jesus. It shows that mankind is unsatisfied with life as is. Many are looking for Jesus to stop by the well of their thirsty life. Their experience in life have devalued them and caused feelings of worthlessness, emptiness, and rejection. They have tried many things to fill the void. They know the void that's there. But they just need help with who or what should fill that void. Who will represent Jesus today and go out there to this world? Who will make themselves uncomfortable and go to the wells all around us to invite someone to come meet Jesus? Will you go? Will you go? There are many people all around this church 
and on the other side and down the road, many wells are waiting for us with Samaritans sitting there waiting for us to offer them this salvation, this thirst that they will thirst no more. Will you go? Will you go to one of these wells? Will you go this today, right after this service, and make that effort to just offer an invitation to someone to come and meet Jesus here starting September 11th? Will you go? I invite you to come with us and do your part. God is not asking too much from us. He has set the example. We know what he wants us to do. He's just asking us to step up to the plate and just do his will. Show someone how much Jesus values them. And then the Lord will take it from there. You may not be able to give them a study today, but you can give them an invitation. That's all the Good Samaritan woman knew. She just knew just what she had experienced, but it was enough to buoy her up. And I believe all of us who are sitting here may know a lot more than the Samaritan woman knew when she went out to share Jesus with everyone. She left her water pot. And so I'm encouraging us today to leave our water pots and come and share Jesus. After the service, I would like for those who want to come with us today, some of you have already brought your comfortable shoes, and I thank God for that. But if you happen to not have been prepared for whatever reason, I have a solution. For those of you who can't walk too far, we want you to sit here on the left, and we'll ask you to go across the street, which is not too far and hand invitations out over there. Amen? For those of us who are a little bit more prepared, I would like you to come and sit on the right as we go a little further, just for about an hour. I'm not asking you to hold your hands and pray with them. This is not the time. We're living in a different time right now. We're going through a pandemic. And so God's people has to be sensible with what we do. So we're not asking for that, but we're asking for a smile and a God love you and here's an invitation to a meeting that we'll be having right across the street starting September 11. That's what we're asking for. We're asking if you don't see anyone, you pin it on the door, find a way to leave an invitation so that someone may have this great experience like the woman at the well. I pray that this would be a reality for us today 
as we endeavor to do that. Tomorrow morning at 10, we will continue. We're not going to be able to finish all that we want to do today. But tomorrow morning, what's left, we'll continue at 10 for another hour or so to give as many invitations. And remember your personal friends. Look through your phone contacts. There's a digital inv invitation that is there. Um, just text Brother Wilton. You can text me. We have it. We can send it out to you. And you can mass send the invitation out to everyone. And like Brother Wilton said this morning, send it to people you don't think would come. And watch what God does through you as you send those out. My prayer for all of us is that the same message we are going out there to share, we receive in our own hearts today. And it will dwell within us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for reminding us, Lord, of how much you love us, how much you value us, how much you break across cultural divides to reach to us. We thank you so much that you made us in your image, that you have a plan for our lives, that you love and care for us. And because of your love for us, Lord, we just want to do our part. Like the woman at the well, Lord, this love that you have put inside of us is springing up, and we just can't keep quiet. We want to share it. And so as we go, we ask you to go before us, whether we are going to go around the area and give out invitation, invite our personal friends, send via text or social media, however we choose, Lord, to share and to invite, we ask your blessing that you would go ahead of us. Bless us, Lord, as we worship today, and may we have received a blessing from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.